Amen. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You guys want to open up in your Bibles to there, your scripture journals. There are, I think I have a couple left. I, I made these mostly for um, high schoolers, middle schoolers, and if there's any kids here. I have a few more just handouts. Um, if your journal's full, I guess, and you want to take one, you can come get one of these too. Did all the younger, 20 and unders, get these? Here's more. If anybody wants, does anybody want? Everybody good? If you want to, if you need more room in your journal, there's extra paper. All right. So 1 Thessalonians, I should start quizzing you guys, is all about waiting for Jesus is one part of it. And what are we going to do while we're waiting? We're going to live with him and we're going to live for him while we wait for him because he's coming. That's the point of the book, the letter. And this morning specifically, it's about walking in love with outsiders while waiting for Jesus. It's how does it look? What does it look like for us to walk with outsiders? And so Mark Jekyll is going to come and read. I love for you guys to see what we're going to look at this morning in context. So he's going to start reading in verse 1 of chapter 4. What we're getting to this morning isn't until, chap- until verse 11. So 11 is our key verse, but he's going to read up to 11 and actually past 11 to show us it in context. So Mark, I think you're... Thank you. All right. First Thessalonians 4. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gave his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, but you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. This is the word of the Lord. Praise Praise be to God. God. Amen. All right, so chapters 1 and 2 are primarily about the gospel. Chapter 3 is primarily about community and how our faith grows in community. And now we turn to chapter 4, which is about our mission. Last time we were in, last week, we talked about sexual morality and how that is related to your growth. And now we're going to talk about your growth and how it's related to going How does it relate to the people that you interact with who are on the outside, who don't know Jesus yet? And he's going to tell us three things to do. 
And these aren't the three things that I would have picked for what I would tell you to do as you live your life with people who don't know Jesus yet. But I'm not God. God picked these three things, and they're here. And so these are the three things we're going to talk about this morning. So if you look at them, here are the three ways that we're to live among outsiders. Verse 11, aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs, work with your hands. Do you see that? It's right there in verse 11, plain as day. This is how he wants us to live among outsiders. Now, the word aspire that's there, you see it in verse 11, aspire to live quietly. Most think that that word is meant to inform all three of these commands, not just the first one. So it's aspire to live quietly, aspire to mind your own affairs, aspire to work with your hands. The word aspire there has this idea of make it your ambition, make it your labor. So he wants us to be ambitious about living quietly, ambitious about minding our own affairs, ambitious about working with our hands. And so this morning is going to be honestly very application heavy, very application heavy. And if you know anything about God's word, you know that it is living and it is active. You should expect this morning then for it to be sharp, to pierce you, to cut you, to discern your thoughts, to read your mail, and to see into your heart. So as we even get into this this morning, I want to start with a disclaimer. You guys know how there's those commercials where they're advertising for like a drug and then they list all the potential side effects? You know, this medicine's for your dry eyes, but it also could cause dizziness, diarrhea, or death. Right? And you're thinking, you got to weigh the you know, pros and cons here. <laughs> well, this morning, before we go any further, there's a disclaimer with this sermon. Ingesting this sermon and these verses may include, but are not limited to the following side effects. Anger. Disagreement. Discomfort of soul. Denial. Dismay. Misunderstanding, earplugging or head scratching, conviction, repentance, freedom, and or rest. God in these verses, I think, if we apply it to our context, gets into your grill. You can't get away from it. And so it has things to say about very specific ways that we live our lives. So as I share these this morning, you need to know two things. One is, I don't have all these figured out. I'm on the journey with you. So we can talk about how to be on the journey together. The second thing is, I'm going to share some sort of illustrations. And you're going to think, wow, Matt just told everybody about what I told him one-on-one. The ones I'm going to share this morning are ones I've heard from dozens of people. So if you're like, he's quoting me, yep, and 10 other people or 12 other people. Does that make sense? I just want anybody to feel like, oh, Matt's just picking on me. I, I don't do that, to my knowledge. I've, I've never done that where I'm like, All right, that person needs correction, I'll do it on Sunday. I've never done that that I'm aware of. I pray, God, that I never do. That'd be terrible. So I don't want you to think that. I want you to think, wow, other people have experienced the same thing. That's why I'm bringing them up. So there's a lot of pastor stuff in this. This is a lot of like, I love you and I care about you, so I'm going to say some things that are going to go, you're going to go, eh, I don't know. Or you're going to feel maybe like I'd stepped on not just your toe, but your whole foot. Okay, so I'm praying that the Spirit is the one doing that and not me because I have some kind of New Jersey attitude. Got it? All right, so here we go. Number one, aspire to live quietly. Aspire to live quietly. 
Literally in the Greek, it means this. Make it your ambition to be unambitious. It, it's, a, it's a play on words. <laughs> Make it your ambition to have no ambition, is what he's saying. And there's two ways we can understand this. Make it your ambition to live quietly, to not have an ambition. And there's two different ways that uh, different commentators will have said that this can be understood. The idea of living quietly has to do with voices or noise in your life. So it has to do with the voices of the things that you say and the things you hear. And it also has to do with this idea of living quietly in the busyness of life. In other words, not so busy, everybody, or the loudness in life. So it has to do with words and lifestyle. So I'm going to tease both these out for a moment. Because I think they're both relevant. I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think they're both relevant. I think they both make sense. We just got to contextualize them for our setting in 2023. So I'm going to join God now in asking and urging you to consider both of these two things this morning when it comes to what it means to aspire to live quietly. Okay, so the first one is this. Consider the noise that you take in and the noise that you put out. So consider it with me a moment. Consider the noise that comes out of your mouth and the noise that comes into your brain. And what he's saying is don't be noisy. Don't, be sub don't subject yourself and don't subject yourself to a lot of noise or a lot of talking. So some people, nobody in mind right now, talk too much say too much, share their opinion too much. When I was in elementary school, every report card came home with my name on it, and under conduct, it said, Matt is very social. <laughs> Meaning, Matt won't shut up. <laughs> Hope I've grown a little since then. <laughs> But the idea here is, is some people just, he's saying, eliminate the noise, aspire to live quietly. Don't, don't talk so much. So the question is, how much noise do you make? We got a rooster last week. He's six months old. He makes a lot of noise. <laughs> how much noise do you make? Would people in your life say that you make too much noise? And he's saying, be careful how much you talk. And he's, he's saying that really primarily about your relationship with outsiders. So with people who don't know Jesus yet that you interacted with, would they say, that person just won't shut up? I can't get a word in edgewise. He's saying, beware if that's the case. The other way to apply that is what you take in, the noise in your life. You ever feel like there's just always noise? Like always noise. Like you can't get your brain to calm down. That's what he's addressing here. He's saying, be aware of the noise that comes into your head. And I think you'd see, be aware of the quantity of it and the quality of it. I think you'd want us to be concerned about both. So I ask, are you aware of the quality of the noise of the things that you listen to or read or watch that come into your mind? Are you aware of the quality of those things? Does what you take in please God? That's what he talked about in verse 1 through 3. Does what I take in help me walk as I ought to walk? So what he's saying is the noise that comes into your brain, into your ears every day, help you in your walk with God? Are you able to be in quietness, or do you always need some noise? You've been to people's houses like that, right? Maybe it's yours, where the TV's always on, because it just can't be quiet. There, there can't be silence. 
A few weeks ago, Kevin Rogers preached, and he talked about how he, uh, during his vacation, said, I just sat in a chair for an hour with nothing. Not even my Bible, nothing, just sat there for an hour. He's like, you need to try it. When's the last time you did that? Went out of the backyard, dropped the Adirondack chair, sat down with nothing, and just sat there. I think that's what he's trying to tell us to do. Like, just be aware how much noise is in your life, and maybe there's some changes that you need to make because all that noise impacts your walk, your interaction with people who don't know Jesus yet. Now, it's more spread than that, but that's the focus of the passage. This is how we relate to people who don't know Jesus yet. Be aware that if you have so much noise in your head that it's always filled with stuff, it will impact how you walk with them, how you live your life with them. So the second application to this, aspire to live quietly, has to do with the pace you are living at. It literally means, you can say, I said it already, strive hard to be at rest. Make your ambition to not be ambitious in your calendar, in your schedule. Don't run here and there and here and there so busy that you're never at peace. That's how we should walk properly before outsiders. And he adds that little phrase, don't don't be a burden. Did you see that? Verse 11, the end of verse 12, and not to be a burden on people, he says, because he doesn't want us to be a burden on those who don't know Jesus yet. So sometimes we can be a burden, I think, by not being reliable or consistent because we're so busy. We're always maybe rushing from here to there that we're exhausted. So he's saying, make it your claim, make it your aim and ambition to live steady, calm, quiet, peaceful lives anchored in pleasing God. And that's what he's getting at. Now you need to remember so these are the conversations that I have with all of you at different times, that believe it or not, you are in control of your calendar. You are in control of your schedule. It does not control you. Did everybody hear what I just said? We don't believe it. Because there's so much noise, we kind of turn into robots. Whatever we're told to do, we just do it. What's next? Okay, just do it. As opposed to, no, I, I, I have control over what I do and don't do. So you can choose your priorities. You can choose what goes on your calendar. And if I had a dollar for every time somebody has said to me, we're just in a busy season right now, I'd be a millionaire. And if I had a dollar for every time someone said that to me, and then that season bled into the next season, that bled into the next season, that bled into the whole year, I'd have a million, trillion, billion dollars. Listen. Be aware, I think that's what he's telling us, urging us, be aware if the busy season is more than a busy season. If it's actually turned into a lifestyle where you're not living quietly, instead you're living with lots of noise in your life. Now I'm going to off-road here. I'm confessing, off-roading, okay? This is not in the text, but I, as I was praying about this, I was realizing this, what I'm about to say is relevant to this, this whole idea of knowing what it means to rest and to live quietly. And that has to do with this whole idea of Sabbath rest. Right? We've talked about Sabbath rest before. And I know that I say those words, and it opens up a bag of worms, and some of you are thinking, oh no, here we go down legalistic road. It's not where I'm going. Okay? I just want to remind us and make us aware that the Ten Commandments have a list of things. Sabbath rest is one of them. The other nine are things that I think you would agree we should or should not do, such as committing adultery, murder, and stealing, right? 
if I said, don't murder anybody today, you wouldn't go, oh, I'm not so legalistic. <laughs> don't commit adultery today. Come on, Matt. Seriously, it's in the Old Testament. So if I'm going to hold all, nine, all those nine, I feel like there's something about this other one that I need to think about, which is Sabbath rest. And when Jesus came, he did bring the adjustments because it turned into a whole bunch of rules and laws and it had to be on a certain day and you could only do certain things. So he came adjusting all of that. But God's original purpose was the same. You read it over and over again in the Old Testament. The whole point is that you don't do ordinary work. Ordinary work. He says that over and over again in the Old Testament. So it's one day set aside where you don't do all the stuff that you do on the other six days. So your six days, whatever that stuff is, it doesn't happen on one day. It stops on one day. And God did that because he knew that we needed to rest. And it kind of drives me a little bit weird in my own head why we have to persuade ourselves to rest. Who doesn't want to rest? We're so rebellious against God. I think we'll even rebel against something like, take a vacation day. <laughs> it's like, no, you need it. Listen, you need a day to recharge as much as your phone needs a day to recharge, right? You recharge your phone overnight. If it doesn't, it doesn't work properly in the morning. Look, if you don't recharge once a week, you will not function properly. And I think that's part of what he's getting at. No, learn how to rest. Learn, learn how to quiet yourself down. Remember that God rested on the seventh day before the fall. And so this is the way we get to image him. And we get to image them to people who are on the outside. When they see us resting, they go, what are you doing? I'm resting. I'm free. I don't have to work to earn anything from God or from any other person today. I'm just resting. Let, let, that, let that be something you embrace. I don't know where you're at with all that. I'd encourage you to study it more if you're not there. But there's something about our need for rest. And here, God's command to us that we would Learn how to live steady, calm, quiet, peaceful lives anchored in pleasing God. Does that make sense? And I want you to hear the faith piece of this. Because remember, the chapter before it is all about your faith. Remember, we talked about how your faith is hungry. Your faith, your soul is hungry for happiness. Right? Remember I said I opened the fridge. You look in the fridge and you go, there's nothing to eat even though it's full, right? Because we, there's something we hunger. We're hungering something. Your faith always is hungry for something, for the next thing. So I wonder if we struggle to aspire to live quietly because our faith is loud and is looking for something to satisfy its hunger. And so it goes to things. It wants to stay busy looking for the next thing that will be satisfying and enjoyable. So remember that and keep it in mind. Listen, if you don't have time to sit quietly and enjoy God's rest in some way throughout some week, then I'd ask you and urge you to assess if you are living a quiet life. Does that make sense? I'd ask you to assess, urge you, are you living a quiet life? That's the first thing. That's how God wants us to live among outsiders. Number two, aspire to mind your own affairs. Aspire to mind your own affairs. When our kids were little, we often said to them, mind your own affairs, because one of them was telling us something about their sibling 
that they thought we really needed to know. Because we tell them, mind your own affairs, mind your own, we remind them that all the time. Well, here it is, straight from God's word, mind your own affairs. This means accomplish or perform or commit to the things that you are responsible for and not be involved in the things you are not responsible for. Don't give yourself to things that you that have nothing to do with you and you have nothing to do with. Basically, it's this. Have the information you need to walk in a way that pleases God and make it your ambition to stay far away from things that do not fuel your ability and desire to walk in a way that pleases God. You get that? Say it again. All right, I'm going to repeat myself. Basically, it's this. Have the information that you need to walk in a way that pleases God and stay away from information that does not fuel your desire or ability to walk in a way that pleases God. Does that make sense? You know what he's addressing here? FOMO. They didn't use the term FOMO then, but that's what's being addressed. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out on experiences, fear of missing out on information, fear of not being in the know. God's talking about our ambition to know everything that we want to know about everyone and everything. You know what that's called? Facebook. Instagram. Snapchat. TikTok. Hickory Dickory Doc. Listen, social media is driven by FOMO. It is. Its entire mission is to help you not mind your own affairs. Its intention is to share your affairs with everyone. That's its aim. Now, I'm not saying it's all bad, so just don't go nuts and delete off my phone, and no one, no Christian should. I'm not saying you can't go to heaven, you can still go to heaven, okay? Just. So just don't take it too far, but just listen, just think. Mind your own affairs. Look at Facebook. Hmm, trouble. How does, how does this work? How do I mind my own affairs when I'm seeing everybody else's affairs? How does that happen? How does that work? See, the mission really is to give access of your affairs to the world. They want to put it on display. And people on there specialize in sharing their opinion which goes back to the first point. It's more noise. It's noise all the time. But our faith craves something new and exciting, and so we go to it hoping, maybe there's something here that's really interesting that'll stimulate my soul. And so it's, it's a magnet for us if we're not careful. Some, someone this week, I read this this week, and I thought, I think this is really true, and you can test it. They said this, humans were not created for the amount of information that is available today. We just weren't created for it. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm not saying learning is bad. I'm not saying knowing things about your friends on Facebook is bad. But we were not made for the amount of information. Our brains and our emotions were not created for that amount of noise and for the affairs of so many things. So in love, God, a very long time ago, wrote something that's very relevant for us today. Make it your ambition to mind your own affairs. Make that your goal. Make it your ambition because he knows if you don't, 
you'll be exhausted emotionally, mentally, and physically. It'll, it'll just wipe you out. Your brain can only hold so much data at one time. And then once it fills up, other things start to have to go out. And so beware and aspire to mind your own affairs. So if the information you're taking in helps you care for others that God has put in your life, then you need the information. But if the information is not connected to people God wants you to care for and love and discipline, then maybe it's just more affairs you're adding to your noise. And so again, we can connect this to faith, right? Faith is hungry for pleasure. And our nature finds pleasure in knowing things about other people's affairs. It stimulates us in some sort of way. So I, I don't know anything about what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, because somebody else said it was true, and I think it is true. I know nothing about dopamine. I don't know how it works. All I know is that even the people who are promoting social media have said things like TikTok and all these other social media things thrive on making our emotions rise, stimulating our feelings because it releases a dopamine, which is a chemical that is linked to pleasure. So my faith wants pleasure. So I open, read, and all of a sudden dopamine is being released, and that's pleasure. So I want more. Where should our faith, should it be going for the dopamine release? Do you believe that God can do that? I mean, you got to believe that he can. That, that putting down your phone and not having so much go in and instead thinking on God is going to do better for you in every area of your life than more of other people's affairs. That's what, he's, that's what I think God is saying here. Nobody's throwing anything yet. We got to get this in us. Like, okay, like how does this apply? I'm not going to tell you all the details of how it applies. And if I walk over to you and you've got your Facebook open one morning and you're looking, I'm not going to correct you. We're not correcting each other. It's not the point. It's just be aware. Are you aware? That's all. Because this is a way, according to God, that we walk properly before outsiders. One of the ways we walk properly with them is by minding our own affairs. That means we don't need to necessarily keep up with everything that's happening in the world about every person, every event, every political issue, every football team, player, event, everything. You don't. Now, I've, I've heard lots of Christians say, you know, we don't want to live with our head in the sand. We need to, be, we need to know, every, know about everything so we can engage with people that, that don't know Jesus. And I want to suggest an alternative here. Aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs. And when we're with people who don't know Jesus, and they begin bringing up something that's important to them about the world or life that you know nothing about, you say, I really have no idea what you're talking about. But I'm here for you. If you want to share with me, I'd love to process it with you, but I really have no idea. Now, I've actually done that before with people. They start talking about something. I'm like, man, I have no clue what you're talking about. Obviously, it's a current event of some kind, and I'm in the dark, and I'm like, look, I really don't have any idea. I'm grateful for your opinion on this, but I really have no time, and I didn't have time to really research any of this, so I don't really have an opinion. And not once has anyone ever mocked me for that. Never. Never have they. But even if they had, shouldn't you expect to get mocked when you try to do things the way God calls you to do them? 
So even if there is a mocking, that's not bad, right? God warns us that's going to happen. You try to live in a way that pleases God, the world is going to go, huh? They're not going to like it. It's going to be confusing to them. And that's not necessarily bad. So don't feel like, I have to know everything there is to know about every topic so I can talk to people who don't know Jesus. That's not what Paul is saying here. It's not what he's saying. He's saying you mind your own affairs as you walk and live your life with outsiders. Be careful what you say with them so they know that you mind your own affairs. So when they start to share their affairs, they can be confident that you're not going to share their affairs with the other neighbor. Right? I think that's what he's getting at. So that's what God's doing in verse 11, really. He's giving us permission to not know and do everything we could know or do. He's commanding us, live quietly, mind your own affairs. And just to make sure you don't misunderstand that to be laziness, he adds number three, aspire to work with your hands. <laughs> work hard with your hands. And this does not mean that everyone needs to have a trade of some kind where you're doing everything with your hands. <laughs> it's not what he's getting at. Basically what he's saying is, whatever you do, labor at it. Labor at what you do. So it's possible that this church in Thessalonica knew Jesus was coming back. Well, if he's coming back, you know what I'm going to do with my job, right? Peace out, boss. I'll take a nice vacation until Jesus comes back. And there were other people like, hey, you mean the church is collecting money from everybody, so if I don't work, I can go get money from them? That sounds like a better gig than going to work. And so Paul has to add this in here. Look, People who are on the outside are watching and they're trying to see what, how we live our lives. And he's saying, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Work hard. Don't mooch off of others. And he's going to say that, if you don't mind, turning to 2 Thessalonians, next little letter that Paul writes. He follows up with the first letter. And in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6, so 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, he's going to tell us a little more about this idea of what it means to work hard. So 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, he says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Or like it says back in 1 Thessalonians in verse 12, and be dependent on no one. Don't be a burden. Don't be dependent on anyone. So what he's saying here is, careful for the noise in your head. Be careful how much you do. And now give your energy to doing the things God has called you to do without the distractions. Don't lose your focus in doing what God has called you to do because you're so distracted by the affairs of others from not living a quiet life. That's what he's getting at. Don't be so exhausted from all the noise, from all the frantic running from here to there that you can't give a clear focus to what God has called you to do. So, I would apply it this way. Work with your hands, changing diapers, 
without distractions. <laughs> Work with your hands, making dinner, folding the laundry, playing with the kids, with a mind that is fully present and not filled with everyone else's affairs. I watched that little documentary on Netflix where it's the coach from the Miami, I don't know who it was. Yeah, the University of Florida one with Tim Tebow. And they win the national championship, and the coach is going into the locker room on the tail of the victory, texting people that he's recruiting for the next season. Insane, distracted, missing the moment because he's thinking about the next thing, being ambitious in a way that maybe he shouldn't have been. Listen, work with your hands by fixing the computer, writing the article, teaching the class without distractions and being exhausted. Lead your team, build the rocket. I had to add that because I know some of you actually do build rockets. You really are rocket scientists, which makes preaching intimidating sometimes. Make the presentation, balance the books, answer the phone call, care for the patient, make the sale, but do it without the distractions so you can give yourself wholly to what God has called you to give it to. Look, this is what God is getting at here. Make it your aim, your ambition, to live steady, calm, quiet, peaceful lives, anchored in pleasing God. Aspire to live calm, live a focused life. Don't be so busy that you feel like you're being drugged here and there, distracted by the next thing. Don't give in to cultural noise that can fill our heads and get sucked into everyone else's business. Instead, work hard at a few things that God has called you to and let your mind and your soul be at peace and rest without knowing everything or doing everything. Does that make sense? So I'm reading this this week, and I have a deep conviction that every time we are in God's word, there's something here that's connected to Christ and a conviction that you don't just make it up. In this case, Jesus was this way, so now you be this way, which is sort of true. So I'm going, okay, where's Jesus? How do I, how do I see? And then I realized that that little human insert after verse 12 destroys the story. So take the coming of the Lord and delete it. Cross it out. Not not in the way you think I could be saying that. <laughs> Which is why Mark read to verse 13. Because I want you to notice what he does here, and you'd miss it because of that little heading. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about... Be uninformed, church, about a million things and be okay with it. But don't be uninformed about this, brothers. Be informed about this, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. You hear what he's saying? Oh, be informed. But be informed about what's going to happen at the end of the day. And stop being so worried about being informed about all of the busyness and noise that's happening in our world right now. That's what he's saying. Which is why five times in this book, five times his little letter, he says, 
The Lord is coming back. He draws our attention. He says, encourage one another. He's coming. You're going to spend eternity on a new earth with him. Be ready for it because that's what he wants you to be informed about. And so he has a lot to say about what it means to be informed about the second coming of Christ. But that's not for two more weeks. For the more, this morning, it's this. Are you more informed about your sports team than you are the second coming of the Lord? That's what he's asking. All the noise you've taken in this week, how much of that has been noise that you've intentionally put into your head based on the reality that Christ is gonna come back. In other words, it's okay for your faith to want the noise. Take the noise to the reality that the conquering Jesus is coming back. And if you're not dead already, you're going to meet him. Let it be your ambition to be informed about what the new earth is going to be like that you're going to live on forever. Be informed about the things that God wants us to be formed about and not so consumed with the things the world wants us to be consumed about and informed about that we have nothing left at the end of the day for our walk with God and being informed about the things he wants us to be informed about. So I guess we got negative, right? Or I guess you could put it in the positive. Aspire to live quietly. Watch the noise. And then it's... Aspire to mind your own affairs from other people. And then it's, now, now work with your own hands, but do all of those in an atmosphere of Jesus is coming back. Let that be your ambition. Let that be what fills your heart. Let that be what fills your mind. Amen? Amen. I want to give you a minute or two just to sit, think, pray. Look at Facebook. <laughs> Sorry. I want to make it lighthearted because I, I don't want you to hear any sort of legalism or, I don't know, discouragement. I want you to hear this is good. God is good. And so when he says stuff to us, it's because he's good and he loves us. And he wants us sometimes to make hard decisions because he knows it's good for us. So I want you to receive it that way. So I don't really have a specific application question for you this morning, except what is the Spirit of God telling you? Like all the stuff... We just said, what, what's he speaking to you? Is he saying something to you? It might, be very, it might be general. It might be very specific. But have ears to hear. What's the application for you? Not, not your kid or your spouse, for you. What, what is it that God would want you to walk away from here changing or thinking differently or doing differently? So let's just sit for a minute and then we'll sing.